Um, good morning. My name is Elizabeth, for those who haven't met me. I'm going to be reading from the book of Psalm, chapter 9 today. Um, you can follow through in your Bibles or your phones and should be on the screens beside me. Psalms 9, reading from verse 1. I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. My enemies turn back. They stumble and perish before you. For you have upheld my right hand and my cause, sitting enthroned as the righteous judge. You have rebuked the nations and destroyed the wicked. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. Endless ruin has overtaken my enemies. You have uprooted their cities. Even the memory of them has perished. The Lord reigns forever. He has established his throne for judgment. He rules the world in righteousness and judges the peoples with equity. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Sing praises of the Lord enthroned in Zion. Proclaim among the nations what he has done. For he who avenges blood remembers. He does not ignore the cries of the afflicted. Lord, see how my enemies persecute me. Have mercy and lift me up from the gates of death, that I may declare your praises in the gates of daughter Zion, and there rejoice in your salvation. The nations have fallen into the pit they have dug. Their feet are caught in the net they have hidden. The Lord is known by his acts of justice. The wicked are ensnared by the work of their hands. The wicked go down to the realm of the dead, all the nations that forget God. But God will never forget the needy. The hope of the afflicted will never perish. Arise, Lord. Do not let mortals triumph. Let nations be judged in your presence. Strike them with terror. Lord, let the nations know they are only mortal. Thank you. Good day, everyone. My name is Scott. I'm the pastor here. Really good to be with you this morning. Um, I was on Facebook recently and I saw this photo. There it is. Underneath uh, this photo with these words. I'm going to read it out to you. Ready? <clears throat> okay, here we go. In Wales, in the UK, there's a legal requirement for road signs to be in both Welsh and English. So in this case, the sign up there, in this case, the official of the highways department emailed the English wording to the translator and after receiving a reply, proceeded to have the sign made and installed. Sounds all good. Sounds all right. Unfortunately, it goes on. A few weeks later, Welsh-speaking drivers began to call up to point out a mistake. Here it is. The Welsh sign reads, I'm currently out of the office. Please submit any work to the translation team. <laughs> no doubt this caused a lot of embarrassment. Where's the translator when you really need them? Here's my question for you this morning. Have you ever felt like that with God? At a moment there where you really just needed something from him, it seemed like you got nothing. It seemed like he's missing in action. 
in your time of need, he's just not there for you. You ever felt like that? Over the school holidays, we're going through a couple of the Psalms, and it's part of the Old Testament in the Bible. The Psalms, there's 150 of them. They're, they're, they're songs, uh, like hits from ancient Israel. And this week, we're in Psalm 9. And as we look at this song, we're going to see someone go through that experience. The experience where God seems to be missing in action. We're going to ask, what is it that they do when they, when they, when they come into this situation? And we're going to ask, what about us? What should we do? That's where we're headed today. But actually, as Liz was reading through the psalm, you might notice at first, it sounds very different to that. At first, it, it talks about what, what's it like when God does come through for you. Um, now, this psalm, uh, it was written by David. Uh, in the introduction to the psalm, if you've got your Bibles open, keep them open. If you've got, if you've got it there, you see in the introduction to the psalm, it says there that this is a psalm. It's for the director of music to the tune of the death of a son. It's a psalm of David. David was a king in ancient Israel. He would have lived about a thousand BC, so we're talking maybe three, roughly three thousand years ago from today, and he was one of the great kings of Israel. Brilliant at organizing the country. He was a great administrator and he was a great leader of his nation's army. He also wrote a lot of songs. A lot of the psalms we have are from David. And a lot of them actually talk about his military victories. Like this one. Psalm 9 begins quite nicely. It's full of praise. Verse 1 and 2. I'll give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I'll tell of all your wonderful deeds. I'll be glad and rejoice in you. I'll sing the praises of your name, O Most High. It's, it's the kind of verses you could kind of put up around your house. But then it gets heavy. In verses 3 to 6, we hear why David is praising God. We hear, it talks about wonderful deeds. In verses 3 to 6, we hear what those wonderful deeds are. David is praising God because his army has been successful. David's praising God because his army has had victory over his enemies. So look at verse 3. My enemies turn back. They stumble and perish before you. Or again, verse 6. Endless ruin has overtaken my enemies. You've uprooted their cities. Even the memory of them has perished. David has had a victory over his enemies and he's praising God because God's the one who's done this for him. David sees that ultimately, yes, he's done lots of things and he's put his army and they've had their plans, but but ultimately this victory is down to God. So uh, in verse Four, it's God who upheld David's cause. In verse five, it's God who rebuked the nations. In verse six, it's God who uprooted their cities. And for us today, we, we hear this and we have all sorts of problems with it, don't we? Because war, war, war is a bad thing. We, we don't like it. If you're anything like me, you think, surely there's, there's a part of this which just feels so ungodlike, delighting in destruction. How can anyone praise God for this? And of course, war is is bad. War is a horror. But I think that we understand 
we can get that sometimes war is a good thing, even even a desirable thing. Like think about the Nazis before World War II. You want them to get beaten, right? Aren't we grateful today for the people that went to war so that the Nazis are no longer around? Or even today in, in Ukraine, you, you want Russia to get out of to get out of there, to be gone for good. And it's not because we like war, but there are sometimes when we see it as the right thing to do. It's a necessary response to evil. That's what we've got in Psalm 9 here. Who is it that gets destroyed? It's the wicked, verse 5. See, God is not like an unhinged dictator here who just makes war for the fun of it. This is the God who brings justice where there was wickedness beforehand. And that's kind of what David noticed. David here, he points to what God's character is like. What is God like? He's not the evil overlord bent on killing whoever he can just because of the fun of it. We see in verses 7 and 8 that, that God is just. God is a God of justice. Verse 7, the Lord reigns forever. He's established his throne for judgment. He rules the world in righteousness and judges the people with equity. God brings justice. It's good and it's fair. But that's not all that David notices about God's character. David also points to the fact that God is a protector. Verse 9, the Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. God protects those who need it. The oppressed, those in trouble, those who seek him. Do you see what, what God is like here? He's, he's, he's not the crazy crackpot that's found his way to power. God is just. God is a just God. He is good and fair. And... God is the protector. He takes care of those in need. And those two things, judge and protector, fit really well together. Let me tell you about when I, what it was like growing up for me. I was one of three kids. I have an older sister and a younger brother. Uh, my brother and me, actually, we were very close in age, uh, only 14 months apart. And this was great when we were getting along. It was like having a friend there who you played with all the time. And I know you won't believe this, but there were times when we actually didn't get along. Um, shocking, I know, but it did happen. And when it happened, when, when there was trouble, when, when a fight broke out, when I felt like my brother had wronged me, because of course he wronged me, I never did anything to him. Um, but w w when I felt like he had wronged me, can, do, do you know what I did? I went to mum and dad, right? Because I knew that if I had been wronged by my brother, they would be my protector. They'd protect me because they could bring justice into the situation. They could punish my brother, send him to his room or whatever, and I would be protected. Do you see how those two things work together there? They were the protector because they were the judge. 
They were the judge and therefore they could protect me. Friends, that is God. That is, that is what David praises God here for. He is a just judge, always fair, and that means he can protect those who need it. The oppressed and those in trouble. David remembers this about God and so he starts praising God in verses 11 and 12. Praising God because he does not ignore the cries of the afflicted. In this first part of Psalm 9, God has come through for David. There were wicked people David went to war against and God was decisive in David's army winning the battle. God was just to punish those who fell and as a result, he protected those who were in trouble. God's come through for David and so David turns and he praises God. What does this mean for us then? Well, friends, here is an example for you to follow. When God comes through for you, what's your response? Shouldn't it be to turn back to God in praise? Praising God for who he is. Praising God because it's him who gives you every good gift that you have. It's right for us to enjoy God's good gifts, but remember, friends, they are not yours by right. They are a gift from God. So, friends, hear this reminder from Psalm 9 and keep turning to God in praise and in thanks and in ongoing dependence on him. And I think, logically, we get this, right? Even if we don't always do it, we understand, yeah, it's right to thank God, to praise him when he, gives, when he, when, when he comes through for us, right? That's, that's right. We, we get that. But what about when he doesn't? What about when, when, when God doesn't seem to come through for you? Well, that's what David wrestles with in the second part of the psalm. And you see there's a big change, actually, partway through. David has been praising God for giving him victory. But then he, he turns around in verse 13 and in verse 13, he asks for God's protection. He says, Lord, see how my enemies persecute me. Have mercy. Lift me up from the gates of death. You see, for David, life wasn't about just kind of one victory after another, after another, after another. And there were times when he really needed God's protection. And it is quite serious here, isn't it? He says he's at the gates of death. So what does David do at this moment? Well, he turns and he remembers God's character again. God is the fair judge. Verse 16, the Lord is known by his acts of justice. God is the fair judge. And God is the protector of those in need. Verse 18, God will never forget the needy. The hope of the afflicted will never perish. It's what we saw earlier in some. God is he's like my parents. He is the good judge and therefore he can protect David. And even when God doesn't seem to be coming through for David, David still remembers this. And so he ends this, this song, this psalm, by turning to God again and pleading for him to act. Act in accordance with his character. 
verse 19, he says, Arise, Lord, don't let mortals triumph. Let the nations be judged in your presence. Strike them with terror, Lord. Let the nations know they're only mortal. God has not come through for David here yet. It seems like that. But what's David's hope? Is his hope in getting, well, God's not coming through for me, so now is where I'm going to get my army into action. I'm going to send them off to war. No, no, no. He'd been doing that all along. Is, 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 is David's hope now in that his generals will finally get a plan together that will work and crack through their defenses? I'm sure they've got their plans, but that's not where David's hope is. David's hope is still in God, even when it seems like God hasn't come through for him yet. His hope is still that God will act in line with his character, that he'll be, he'll be the one who judges fairly, and so he can be the one who protects those in need. And so again, what about us? What do we do? I think here again, we have, we, we have an example in David. What do we do when it doesn't seem like God is coming through for you? Well, friends, this psalm is telling us, don't seek your answers somewhere else apart from God, as if something else is going to be ultimately decisive. Keep seeking your hope in God. Now, look, by all means, if you're suffering unjustly, it doesn't mean that you've got to do nothing. Yeah, do what you can to get help. Do what you can to get out of the situation. And, can I say, do it dependently on God. Do it prayerfully. Ask for his protection at every step. When things don't work out like you'd hoped, keep turning to God. Keep asking for him to give you his protection. Keep asking for him to bring justice. The psalm is pretty clear. Whether it be good times or bad, whether it seems like God is coming through for you or not, God is never missing in action. So keep turning to him, friends. The thing is, we know this. This isn't new. This is like the basics of following Jesus. It's Christianity 101, isn't it? But it can be so hard to act on this. It's, it's so hard to live as if this is true. Even if you've been a Christian for a long time, even if you've been a Christian all your life, yeah, we get it, we believe it, but still, God can seem so distant at times. Nearly like he's, dare I say, cut off or uninvolved whether it be good times or bad. And the question we all want to ask is, why? Why do I keep feeling like God isn't there? Or, or even that if he is there, he's not actually involved in, in the day-to-day of my life. Why is that? I heard someone talking recently, and they said something that really resonated. They said, as a society... We, we've, we've kind of placed a big dome over ourselves. Let me explain what I mean. Um, I mentioned recently to some of you that I, I'd read this book. Um, I read it a while ago. It's called Under the Dome. It's about a township that gets cut off from the rest of the world because mysteriously, somehow, this big glass dome came and suddenly appeared over their township. They couldn't get out. Um, I, I think I mentioned this book because it has 
it has a bad ending. That's it's a fun book, but the ending wasn't that good. But anyway, recently I found they actually made a TV show based on this book called Under the Dome, as well. Um, and I've been watching a few episodes recently. It reminded me of some of the funner details of the book, like for example, how just the dome changes everything for the people inside. Suddenly there's no connection to the rest of the outside world. The internet doesn't work through the dome. Uh, you can't use your phones. There's no supplies coming in from the outside, no food, no water. There's no electricity that comes either way. And also, there's no like authority from the outside. The, the police or the military can't come in. So the law that used to protect you out there, in here, it no longer does that. They're stuck inside. So if something needs to happen, whether it be, you know, food or water or protection or any of these kind of things, if something needs to happen, it's all on them, those who are inside. And so I was thinking, recently I heard someone say, that's what our society has effectively done to ourselves. I'm talking about Western culture here. But um, we've decided, right, that the world is about the things that we can see and feel and touch and and anything else we kind of we kind of put it out there and, and we put a dome over us. We're on the inside, which means that God or anything spiritual is kind of on the outside of our dome. There's a separation between us. One is not involved with the other. We don't expect any interaction. We don't expect God to be active in our world. If something is going to happen down here, well, it's going to happen because we do something about it. It's on us. After all, what other option is there? Yeah. Again, we who are following Jesus, we know that this is not true. But this is the culture we live in, friends. This is the air we breathe. This is the underlying message that we keep hearing again and again. It's all around us. So even if we don't believe that, we're still so affected by it. And and we fall into the pattern of living like everyone else around us where the dome is there. Which means it takes a real effort to be different. It, it, it takes a real effort for us to think differently about the world we live in. So here we are in Psalm 9, and it's saying to us, God is never missing in action. He's always there, always dependable, be it good times or tough. But the reason we find it so hard to live like this is true is because all around us we keep hearing the message that God's not there. He's cut off. He's on the outside. He's not involved. We can explain things without him, so we will. Which means it's just, it's hard to be different, to, to, flow, to, to swim against the current. It's going to require us to think differently, to keep thinking biblically. Not, not, not just hearing the messages from our world and accepting it, but hearing from God and accepting what he has to say. And so part of the challenge then from Psalm 9 for us is this. Are we willing to be different? Are you willing to put the effort into your life to live under a different reality? Not as if the dome is there, but in the reality that Psalm 9 is talking to us about. 
that God is never missing in action. He is always there. Whether it feels like he's coming through for you or not. There's one more thing I need to say about Psalm 9 though. Here it is. Ultimately, friends, Psalm 9 is all about Jesus. Think about it for a moment. Who brings God's justice into the world? It's Jesus. Look at what he says. This is, this is what he says uh, in the New Testament. Jesus says, Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. Who will put things right in this world? It is Jesus. He is going to be the good and fair judge. He will bring God's justice to us. Are we ready to meet him? And and who is it that brings God's protection to his people? Again, friends, it's Jesus, isn't it? Because of his death for us, because he, he rose again from the grave... Jesus can promise us God's protection, forgiveness from God, acceptance, even adoption into his family to be his children. But God will spread his, his protective arms around us into eternity. So hear these comforting words from Romans chapter 8. The writer says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble? or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No. In all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers... Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, hear that again. Nothing will separate you from God's love for you, which is shown to you in Jesus even when it feels like God has not come through for you. Friends, in those moments, you have not been separated from God's love. So can I say then, keep depending on God. Keep turning to him dependently, prayerfully, in good times and when it's tough. And hold on to that promise. Live without the dome there. Your God is never missing in action. Nothing will separate you from his love. Let me pray for us. Our gracious Father, at different times, trials and tricky things come into our lives. And we live in a world that doesn't think you're there. Please give us the eyes to see your presence to trust your promises and to believe that you are always with us, whether whether in good times or bad. 
Help us turn to you dependently, Father. Thank you for your promises that your love for us will never go away, that we'll never be separated from you because of what Jesus has done. Grow our trust in this, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.